Well, good morning. Hey, uh, first service was a little mellow today, so I'm hoping you guys are going to pick it up a little bit. All right. But I'll tell you what, there was a powerful service this morning, and I believe that it's going to be even more powerful today. So let's just stand up. You know, at our church, we believe that God's word is life transforming. Do you believe that today? Hey, I put this into practice about 13 or 14 years ago in the beginning of my recovery. And it has radically transformed me. And I hope, if you're here today, that you dust off your Bible, pick the coffee cup up off of it, and put it into practice. So let's just read. We're going to read from an Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 2 and use this as a message today. Solomon writes, everything is meaningless, the teacher says, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around again to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. The water returns again to the rivers and flows out to the, again to the sea. Everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. Verse 9 says, History merely repeats itself. It has done, it all has been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, Here is something new. But actually, it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in future generations. And no one will remember what we're doing now. Now, what I want to do today is I want to pray for the message. I want to pray that there's an anointing on today. And the truth is, I should not be the only one filled in spirit. You should be in spirit so that you can minister to the people around you and to the people at Toppers when you go to pizza today. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise because you are alive and you are here and you want to do a work in all of us today, Father. Open up our hearts, our minds, and our souls so that we can see you work. Show yourself in great and powerful ways, Lord, because we know that you are here. There's no question. Lord, we worship you, mind, body, and soul, and ask that you give us a revelation from you today so that we can be touched And moved, and Lord, if it's in your will, healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming to Journey. We call this Journey the Church because we are a church that believes in the overall church. More important than this, just than just this church. If you are new, go back to that green umbrella and let us talk to you a little bit, give you a gift, and I promise we won't be at your house before eight thirty on Tuesday. No, Jeremy will. I don't get up that early, so we won't bug you. We just want to give you a gift and tell you what the mission of this church is. Hey, I want to ask you a couple of questions today. You guys probably get used to me now. I like to ask questions and hopefully through the message that you'll have some answers. But have you ever been in the middle of something? Have you ever just kind of been in the middle of something where maybe a lot of people are praying for you? I know this summer, 
Cameron was at our house and my wife and me were being prayed for by like 30 or 40 people. It was pretty powerful. But the truth is, I don't know, maybe you should ask my wife this, but I don't really like to be the middle of everything all the time. I mean, I know I'm up here and I, I, I talk a lot. My wife's shaking her head going, that's not true. Um, but really, it's uncomfortable for me to have people talking about me and praying over me. It's just a little bit awkward. But have, if you think about it, if you've ever been in the middle of something, it's kind of special. It's a little awkward. It doesn't necessarily feel right. Well, I want to tell you right now that Journey and this congregation and in this room right now, we are in the middle of something special that God is doing. Jesus is moving in powerful, mighty ways in these rooms week in and week out. I want you to know that I, if you're here, God wants to work in you. Even in your darkest moments, he wants to take that and use it to give testimony to this place. In 1996 at Constitution Park, right down the street, there was a prophecy that Camarillo and Ventura County was going to restart a revival all the way through this United States. And there's some movement. And what I'm saying to you is, as last week I was at Azusa Now, which was in the L.A. Coliseum, and I'm getting goose pimples all over because God was telling me that now is the time for all of us to be excited and go out into the world and tell people that Jesus is alive and real. Do you believe that today? And he said, it's your job and my job to start ministering to people throughout the week. And tell people that Jesus is alive and invite them to any church that believes in God and preaches out of the Bible. They don't have to come here. God's going to fill this place the way he wants to fill it. But now is the time for you to get off your butt, get your Bible dusted off, and move into a place that we can share the glory of God and change this world one person at a time. Amen? Amen. And we do that by, uh, by our mission statement of loving the world. And loving people is hard. You people are sometimes hard to love. Let me put it back. I am also hard to love as well. Ask my wife. My daughters are here. I'm a pain in the butt. I'm an average man that uh, has made some changes and I try and follow God. But I'm just an average man. And I'm hard to love as well. But we together with, with God can do all things. Amen? Let me ask you a few more questions. Do you have a purpose have you lost your purpose maybe over time? As we get older, we sometimes lose our purpose and lose our focus. Is your life really hitting on all cylinders? Or are you living a purposeless life? I want you to really think about that right now. Because God is moving but he can only move if you come to a truth in your life that either I have great purpose and you're moving or I really don't feel my purpose and I've lost it. I want, a hopefully, at the end of this message, hopefully that void in your life will be filled. We are going through this series called The Life Without God. Now, why would we do a series as a Christian church about life without God? It's not because we're trying to move you away from God. We're actually trying to push you into a relationship with God. The, we know that the world without God is chaotic, and I'm going to show you some proof in the message today. But what happens is people that come into church... And walk in and claim themselves as a Christian and claim that they believe and claim that the Bible is true and all things are possible with God. Come into church and come into a relationship with God and limit his power. 
limit his work and his will. And, and all of a sudden you have a God that's basically something you could get at Target. Slide a card and hopefully a few bucks come out. And that's what God is really to you. But that's not who God is. That's not who he is to me. And it shouldn't be who he is to you. So today, let's unleash the glory of God and the power of God so that you can be in a different place. Amen? I think I drank way too much coffee today. (laughs) This series is about a fix. Someone in this room today needs a fix. And I'm not talking heroin or meth or drink or a money fix. I'm talking about a fix in their heart. A fix in their soul. Something to connect their mind to the glory of God so that they can move out of this old and into the new that we are promised in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this series, Life Without God. We've talked about hopeless to hope. And last week we talked about living in darkness. And Jeremy just, I had chills when I was thinking about this thick darkness that needs light. Some of us are in this place of thick darkness, depression and despair and anxiety. And and what we want to do is put the light of Jesus on that. And today we're going to go through this word. And Jeremy's making me say this word. Purposelessness. I don't even know how to use it. I was asking my girls, how do you use that? We're going to go from this word purposelessness to by the end, having purpose in who God is. And we're going to close out today with a powerful new song and an awesome worship set. So hopefully your hearts are right with God. Now we have a memory verse and and I believe this is the verse that we should kind of just meditate on. This is one of the things that should be something that we, we don't necessarily need to memorize, but you should know the words in general. And, and at one point, Jesus, uh, a rich young man, comes to talk to Jesus. And he walks in and he says, Father, what can I do? Or Lord, what can I do to become a better Christian? I don't think he said Father to Jesus. But he said, Lord, how can I be a better man? How can I be closer to God? And Jesus says, follow the Ten Commandments. And he says, I've done that since the beginning. Since I was a young man, I've been following the Ten Commandments. And he says, oh, well, here's what you should do. Sell all your possessions... And follow me. I don't know about you, but those people in this room that are really rich, that's not me, by the way. When they think about selling all their possessions and giving it to God, they turn back and go, I don't know if that's for me. And that's what happened to this man. And the apostles were blown away. They were saying, Lord, who would, would you want to be a part of your kingdom? This guy's perfect. He's young. He's on fire for God. He's got a lot of money. He can help us do the ministry. Who was supposed to be a part of your kingdom? And how come this guy can't be a part of it? And here's what he said. And this is our memory verse. He says, Jesus looked at him and said, with man, it is impossible. This man couldn't believe that God could do something radical in his life because he had many resources at his hands. But he said, with God, all things are possible. I believe a God today can take your situation and turn it around. Turn it over. Make it new. Break away the stronghold. Bring light into a dark situation and allow you to move in a way that will radically transform your life. And what happens is it will change the lives around you as well. I've seen it happen. It's happened with me. It's happened with many of my friends. And it can happen to you today. All things are possible. Now, I had this pastor that came to the first service. He was sitting over here where Lanny was. And it was kind of awkward because he's been calling me all week and I've kind of rejected his phone calls a couple of times. And then he came to service because he knows that I was going to be up here probably teaching. So that's the way to get a hold of you, right? 
So I'm going to lunch with him tomorrow or something, breakfast. But anyways, I'm going to say something that might be a little provocative, especially for some of the pastors in training and, and uh, the pastors here and just like my buddy Tim that was here. Our purpose in life is not to memorize scripture, to study, to pray and meditate on Christ all day long. That is not our purpose, even for a pastor. Now, some of you are like, I wish you'd do a little bit more of that. That would make the sermon a little stronger. But the truth is, that's not our purpose. If that's all Christianity was, that's the easy way out. That's not the hard way. That's the easy way. And some of you are like, I can't even read for a minute or two. Trust me, this is the easy way. The hard way is to actually go out into the world and do something. Be filled with the glory of God and then go in and, and, and talk to someone. And then they come back and say, you know, why does God bring evil into this world? And you're like, holy cow, what am I going to say? And then they have a story of how evil has wrecked their family. Right? The hard part is going into the world and using this and saying, I don't know. But I'm going to pray and talk and I'm going to fast and believe that God is going to do something for you so that you and your family will be a testimony of what God can do. Do you guys believe that today? So today we're going to use a piece of scripture from the Old Testament. King David's son Solomon wrote this uh, great testament and Solomon was a young king. Now, first service, I talked a little bit about Justin Bieber, so I'll make it easier because I love I don't actually love Justin Bieber at all. But he does have a cool song called Purpose that was written by a Christian that's out right now. It's on the radio. But anyways, Justin Bieber comes onto the scene. Any Bieber fans here? There's one. There's two. One's my daughter. There's Kara. Right there. Oh, yeah, that's good. Up until this recent album, it wasn't good. But it's got some good stuff. I went to Mexico and we listened to it. Anyways, that's a whole other story. Justin Bieber at a young age became a sensation. And all of a sudden, he went from hundreds to thousands to million people, and there were Bieberites all over the place, right? And all of a sudden, by the time he was 19, he was the biggest nightmare. We didn't even want him in Camarillo. He was terrorizing Calabasas, right? And it's the same thing that happened to Solomon. Solomon becomes a king at 17. And he's a young king. He doesn't know what to do. He goes before God and goes before the people and bows and says, I have no idea how to run a kingdom. And God said, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you the greatest wisdom of all time. And beyond the wisdom, because his heart was right, he received all kinds of riches beyond the intellect and knowledge. And so that's what ha- happens. But over time, when you become a young king and you have everything before you, you start to wa- fall off, just like Justin Bieber did. And he became an, an idiot, basically. And so now you've got this rich king. So this king had all the money and all the resources, one of the most richest men on earth at the time. And he also was the wisest. It would be like Bill Gates having all this money and going into the world. And what this man does, Solomon, is he goes out on a little journey and comes to this conclusion. Verse 2 that I read earlier says, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. And it basically what he's saying is, everything that I've found in this world is completely meaningless. Everything that I've learned to know and have understand, everything that i put effort into in this world, this global universe, uh, this global world in the universe is meaningless. Now, maybe a couple thousand years ago, 3,000 years ago, that made sense. But is that true today? 
Is that reality today? Well, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I was typing on Google and I typed in, what do people think that don't believe in God? What do people think without God about this universe? And there's this article I found in BuzzFeed and Jeremy says, you can't use BuzzFeed. And I said, watch me. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Here's BuzzFeed in this article. If you type it in today, a lady already did it in the first service. There's all kinds of people that respond to this. And this article was, I asked atheists how they, how they find meaning in a purposeless universe, right? And underneath this, and it's not on here because it's got cut off. I think a lady wrote this article. And underneath this was a little subtitle saying, and read the last one because it'll make you cry. And they interview about 20 people and what they believe on this question. And the last one was so long, it would take forever to tell the story. But I found this lady who happens to be a psychologist, and she writes this. So here's what it says. Her name's Susan Blackmore. And she says this. If I get a what's-it-all-for feeling, then I say to myself, what's the point at all? There isn't any point. And somehow, for me, I know it's not true for other people. That's really comforting. So this lady who's a psychologist, and you might be going to her right now, by the way. With this doctorate degree, with all kinds of intellect, says, when I get this feeling of what's, what's the world all about, what's the meaning of life? She says, well, there really isn't a point, and that's comforting to her. Let's continue. It slows me down and reminds me of, uh, uh, that I, I didn't really ask to be born here. I will be gone. I won't know what will happen. I will just be gone. So get on with it. And I find that comforting. To say to myself that there is no point. I live in a pointless universe. Here I am for better or worse. Get on with it. That's her solution. Listen. If that's your counselor, run. Find a Christian counselor because there's hope in Jesus Christ. That lady has no business counseling anybody because the truth is she has no point. She gets to the end of their life, she might as well jump off a cliff, and that's not true. Now, at the bottom of this argument, I always look at the comments because I want to see, did anybody have the guts to talk about Jesus? Is there any Christian response? And what are all the knucklehead responses? And I responded to a couple, and, you know, I'm not a really smart guy, so I just put, Jesus is my truth, a couple times. You know? They kicked me off the site, but that, you know. <laughs> but I did find this comment, and listen to this. This is even more mind-blowing than what I just read. It said, unfortunately, there's this man. He says, I find these sediments insightful and elegant. As an atheist, I'm one of the members who is chronically depressed. So now there's this guy responding to all these 20 people that were interviewed. And he's like, I find this amazing, eloquent, powerful. But how, by the way, I'm chronically depressed, Right? So let's go on. He says, I often reflect on my childhood and the peace and ease of believing in God and think, man, I wish I was still a Christian because I was happy. The truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. I'm happy that many have found comfort in it, but I have not. If atheism, I find atheism to be truth, but I don't like it. That doesn't make any sense. And I responded, Jesus is my truth. Listen, this is the world. And today it makes no more sense than anything without God. The world is spinning. And there's another picture that, that was on this, uh, on this blog 
about this man. Look at this picture. This is what life means. There's a man that's on a cliff. And once he comes to the end of his life, he's supposed to just jump off. That's the meaning of life. I'm not going to pay my mortgage this month. I'm just going to jump off the cliff. Sorry, girls. That's not a meaning of life. But Solomon had that same feeling thousands of years ago. That everything is meaningless in this world. The world has no meaning. But, in, but 2,000 years ago, meaning came in human form. And listen to what the Gospel of John writes. The world is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Listen, this world is just a stepping stone to a better place. This world is a launching pad for me to be in eternity forever and ever. This is the worst is it ever going to get for a Christian. This world is the worst our life is ever going to be. And I'm blessed right now. A couple weeks ago, not so much, but right now I'm good. But this is the worst our life is ever going to be because we got so much before us. I'm not on the cliff because I got Christ. Right? The second thing that he says here is, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? What do we get for our jobs? Some of us are in this rat race of we work, we get up, go to work, pay bills, pay debt, put braces on our kids, buy hamsters, hamsters die, then we buy fish, fish die. Right? What do we get for work? I got a great job. But the truth is, that's not my purpose. My first and foremost purpose is to be a child of God. And then second is to be a husband to my wife. And then third is to be a father. And somewhere about four, five, or six, I'm to be okay with my career path. My first job, though, is to accept that I am a child of God. Work has nothing to do with the purpose of my life. It doesn't mean that I can't find purpose. But it means it's not my number one deal. And that's what Solomon writes. What is it all for? In 1 Corinthians 12, 6, this is a Phillips. It's a translation like the message. And it says this. God works through different men and in different ways. But it's the same God who achieves his purpose through all of them. Listen, God working, God works and is working in all of us. And when we tap into him, he uses us, even if we don't have our own purpose, to fulfill his purposes. If you're here today and you don't have a purpose, tap into God and he will use you for his purpose and you will find meaning and value in your own life. Somehow, some way, you'll wake up and go, how did I get here? And I woke up this morning praying, going, how did I get here? My first job was putting signs out. My second job was the janitor. My third job was to be a missions director. And one day I woke up and they put me on stage. It wasn't really my choice. There's a lot better preachers and smarter people. But once you tap in, God will use you for his purpose. And you don't even have to do any work, really. For me, I just had to stay sober and clean and come home every night and love my family. And voila, I'm here. What about generations? You know, Christians talk a lot about generations. Oh, there's generational curses and all of this. Well, it says here, generations come and go. 
but the earth never changes. And a little bit later in verse 10 and 11, it talks about we don't even remember what happened a generation ago, let alone two generations ago. We're so worried about now, I'm posting on Twitter as I speak. I don't have any time to go back because I'm all about right now. Generations come and go, and even that doesn't make any sense. How about creation? Man, I love a good camping trip. Now, uh, listen, Liz, close your, close your ears. My girls don't camp. They're more like the Holiday Inn kind of camping. With a stove and a good shower and a nice pool to lay out. That's good camping to them. But I like to go to uh, Yosemite. I like to go to the beach and camp. The, the world is beautiful. There's some amazing things out there. But the world and creation isn't our purpose either. Listen to what it says. Solomon gives us some great. The sun rises and it sets and it hurries around again to rise again. The wind blows in circles, round and round, blowing in circles. The rivers run into the sea, but its seas never filled. And then there's condensation and then it goes back into the rivers and it just never ends. He's coming to a conclusion that creation and generations aren't our purpose either. Verse 8 says, everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. If you're not content today, something's off. And you need to fix him. And it's not going to come through me. It might come through the prayer team because they give you a word or a verse. But it's going to come because your heart is open. And you're willing to move out of this place because you don't want to be uh, discontent anymore. History repeats itself. Over and over again. It's what's been done before. There's nothing new, Solomon writes. Nothing new. I listen to a lot of sermons. I probably listen at least one or two sermons a week. Sometimes four or five if there's something that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dig, uh, dig into. And, and I do that because I was taught long time ago, like 12 years ago, that there's no message that's ever really new. I might say it in a different way. I might hear it in a different way. But everything's been said. This one was probably said 20 years ago in England. Maybe Mexico. I don't know. But there's nothing new. So why try and reinvent the wheel? Why not just bring the same kind of idea with a lot of passion and love for the glory of God and move people out of their seats and into the will of God and they will find purpose in that. Amen? Nothing is really new. Let me give you some examples. Through the test of time, there's been really three things that have been the mindset of this world. Transportation, communication, and world domination. Right? We've always been trying to build a bigger, a better way to transport. Back then, they used to run messengers, and messengers would go from town to town, and they'd try and make it in a full day by running to get a message across. Today we have better communication, but it's really nothing new. Does anybody a better communicator because of this? I'll be honest with you. Most of you are terrible communicators by the, because of this. Put the phone down or call someone and use your voice. Use your big words. If you text me, I usually respond in like three words or less. That's my goal. Because it forces a call or a conversation and not a texting battle. Communication is one that we've always been. Transportation, world domination. Do Christians want world domination? 
Absolutely. Our job is to let everybody know that one day every knee shall bow. And you might as well do it now because you're going to do it someday. So bow down before God and the world will be dominated by Jesus Christ. Like it or not, in the truth, the world will be better. The problem is it won't be perfect because we're all flawed. But it will be a better world. But we want domination. We want everybody to know Jesus. And beyond that, we want everybody to love Jesus so that he'll come back and take us out of this hellhole. Camarillo. <laughs> kind of doesn't really work very well there, but... So what's the point? Is Solomon... So listen, let me, let me back up a little bit. I first read this book in 2002 on a January as I was stuck in a jail cell and I was moved into this place where everybody in this room was about 12 of us. Everybody except me was looking at over 50 years time. One guy was looking at 125 years of, of, of prison time. And I'm looking at like nine or ten. I'm the low guy. And I'm pressing into the word of God and I've read from cover to cover from Genesis and I get past the Psalms and the Proverbs and I'm like, yes, I think I understood a couple of those things. I had no idea what I was reading. And I get to this point in the Bible and it says this. Everything's meaningless. Completely meaningless. And I'm like, everything I just read is was meaningless. I don't even like to read. I just wasted a whole bunch of hours, right? Nobody told me what I was reading. And the truth is, I read and got to the end of the chapter or in the, in the end of the book, and I had no idea what that book meant. I want to tell you, we all start somewhere reading the Bible. And there was at least two years I had no idea what I was reading. And I'm not saying that I couldn't understand the word and the concepts and the content. But I didn't understand what God was really speaking. If you haven't really picked up the Bible in a long time, we've all started where we don't understand. Trust me. I was there. And this book radically changed me. Because I'm like, what does this all mean? And I went to a Mexico mission trip, and my friend was a pastor, Travis. And the first question I asked him is, what is the book Ecclesiastes about? And he said, look to the end of the chapter, and at the end we'll look and see what Travis pointed me to. So the question is, what is the answer? What is the purpose of life? If it's not work, if it's not the world, if it's not generations, and if it's not creation, what is the answer? Well, let's look back and read and see a little bit more uh, of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. I, the teacher, was the king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. And I, I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore wisdom of everything done under the sun. So Solomon's like, I'm on a journey. And our journey is to find out the purpose of life. And early in his journey, he comes to this conclusion. Look at what it says. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. At the beginning of his journey, he finds out that all of us in this world have been, give, have been given a tragic existence. That's the first thing that he finds out on this journey. Verse 14, I observed everything going on under the sun and... Really, it's all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Here's another thing that he finds. Verse 15. What's wrong cannot be made right. What's missing cannot be rediscovered. Let me give you an example. If someone's ever been a part of a friend or a family member or a loved one being murdered or raped or molested, that can never be made right. And what's been taken from that family or what's been done to that person can never be rediscovered or put back together. 
The only time that will happen is when that person goes before God and they will be fully healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Another revelation that Solomon writes. Let's continue. And then he says to myself, look, I'm, I'm wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. Little prideful there? So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. And here's the last verse and the last thing that he gives us. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase my knowledge only increased my sorrow. So it's not about the world. It's not about my work. It's not about generations. It's not about creation. And it's truly not about intellectual stuff as well. It's not about me getting smarter. Because the more smarter, he says, we get, the more cynical we get. Think about that man in that BuzzFeed comment. He grew up away from God because he grew and someone said, oh, that God's a bunch of hocus pocus, right? And now he's chronically depressed, wishing he could be back as a child, believing in God. We become cynical and we allow the world to push us out of the will of God and into this chronically depressed world is just pointless. I should jump off a cliff and everyone will be better. That's just not true. That's just not true. What is the purpose the purpose is so great. It's so much more. In, in Colossians chapter 1, there's this great place where he, it, it talks about who Christ is. And I use a paraphrase here, the message, because I think it really grabs a hold of what I'm trying to say. And the message takes like four or five pieces of scripture and it kind of gives us in something that would be relative to this generation. And it says... We look at this son, that would be Jesus, and see God's original purpose in everything created. So we look at the son Jesus and say that his purpose is for everything that was created. Everything above and everything was below was created for him. And this last part says everything got started in him and everything finds purpose in him. Let me explain that a little bit more so you understand that. As Christians, we worship the idea and we celebrate the idea that Jesus is for us and nothing can be against us and we press into that, right? But listen, even non-believers that don't like Jesus use this as their purpose, going, well, I don't like Jesus, so I'm going to use my purpose. Every time Jesus is mentioned, I want it out. I want it out of schools. I want it out of government. I want it out of my house. I want it out of my workplace. And I don't want to see it on a bumper sticker. They use it as their purpose, Right? And our purpose is to not judge them, not condemn them, not to get into an argument. Our purpose is to love them and say, it's okay to feel that way. We know deep down inside, one day they're going to have to kneel before God and confess their ignorance. It's not my job to say they're ignorant. It's my job to love them to a place that they might find that before they pass on. Does that make sense? So I want to give you my purpose I'm going to tell you what my purpose is. And I hope that you will see it's not my purpose. It's our purpose. But I want to give you my purpose. Many years ago, I used to work in the Silicon Valley. And I used to make a lot of money. And I got my second job out of high school. And in this place that I was working, it was called DDI. It went from $100 million, $110 million in sales to $330 million in like four years. And I was a salesman, and I got paid 2% of whatever I sold. And my second year, I started making 150000 There was guys that I worked with that made seven or $800,000 a year in sales, like a lot of them. 
And my purpose back then was about what I did on the weekend. I remember going to the coffee bar and having a cup of coffee and telling them what I did. Oh, I was in San Francisco and I was clubbing all night and I was in the Drake Hotel. And somebody's like, oh, I just put new cabinets and bought a, I'm putting a pool in. And every, every Monday we'd all puff up and told what we did and where we were going and how we're building and we're buying new homes. And that was our purpose. Praise God, that's not me anymore. Because God took everything that I thought was valuable and ripped it away from me. God took my freedom and ripped it away from me. God took my kid and ripped it away from me. And I had to fall deep and dark and and, and a long way. But because of that, I've been healed and freed of that old purpose. Romans 6.13 gives us all a purpose. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Your job and your body and your, your person is not to be an instrument of evil. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were once dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Listen, many years ago, Jeremy gave us a message at Crossroads. And he says, we're the hands and feet. And the truth is we are, but we're also the eyes and ears. We're also the mind and heart, the feet, the legs, we're everything. Put your whole body in and do it for the glory of God and find purpose in that. And if you can't find purpose in that, love at all cost. Put yourself in the midst of a place in love. And sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love is hard, you know. You know, my parents, I was a tough kid growing up. My parents aren't here today, so I could talk about them. I guess I talk about them all the time. But I was a tough kid. And the only thing that got me right with my parents was tough love. Sometimes we have to intercede and bring tough love so people can get to a point to radically change. God does that with us all the time. The only way I got changed is he took my job, he took my kids, he took everything, including my freedom, to the point where I couldn't dig and I started to grow and see God work in a great way. We are his hands and feet, and we are to put our whole body and use it as an instrument for his purpose. Now, my buddy Travis pointed me to the end of the book and told me what this book means. So I kind of want to read that to make sure that you know what it is. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was true and upright. So Solomon, after compiling all this information, gave us a bunch of Proverbs, and we read them on a regular basis. Some people read one proverb every day and use that as a basis. I've been reading that the last couple of weeks. I want to skip down to verse 13. It says, now all of this has been heard. So these 12 chapters, there's all kinds of stuff, meaningless time. And there's a time for everything. And all of that is in this book. And he says, now all of this has been heard. Here is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commands. For this is the duty or purpose of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden, whether good or evil. At one point... All of that you do in darkness is going to be brought to light. And all that you do in goodness will be brought to light as well. So if that's the case, I'm trying to do more good and less evil. Because I don't want to go up there being embarrassed going, Geez, Pastor, you sure were dark. Why? I want to be 
more light than darkness, especially to my family. My family doesn't deserve a dark man at home, angry, yelling and kicking and screaming, and I've done it. And I need to get better, and so do you. Let's not be hidden that we don't have places to move and grow. Amen? Chuck Swindoll writes this about this, this book in the Bible. He has this book called The Ragged Edge. And he makes two excellent observations. I should have put them up there. I don't know if I did. It says, if there is nothing but nothing under the sun, our only hope must be above the sun. Let me read that again. If there is nothing but nothing under the sun, our only hope must be above the sun. Here's another one. If a man who has everything investigated everything visible, then the one thing we need must be invisible. Let me read that again for some of you, because if you're like me, I'm dyslexic and I jack it up. It says, a man, if a man who had everything investigated everything visible, then the one thing that we must need must be invisible. That's our purpose. If you're here today and you're new to faith or you're struggling with the idea of what the purpose of life is, it's not going to be visible. It's going to be something invisible, but that something is God inside of us. I'm a, is the band up here? I better get them up here. We're going to have to worship here in a second. I'm going to bring the band back up, and I don't want to lose you right here. This might be the most important part of the message. If you're struggling here today and you don't have a purpose, let me give you a purpose. Hold on to the glory of God like you're drowning right now. If you're in the water right now and you feel like your life is drowning, hold on to that preserver that's been thrown to you because it's being thrown to you right now. Cling to the glory of Jesus Christ and hold on like hell and you're going to be moved into a place of safety. If you're struggling today, cling on to Christ. Press into who God is. Press into what His Son does. He saves He changes and he heals. Some days that's all you can ever do. Sometimes it's a season or two that you have to hold on. You have to press into it and go, man, it's been a year or two. Hold on because it might be another year or two. But if you just hold on, the miracle will happen and the change will happen. When I first became sober, my first five years sucked. Can I say that? I don't know if I could. It wasn't easy. I had more bad days than good days. And then the next five years was better. And today I have more good days than bad days. Right? Because some days we just need to hold on. And then if you hold on later down the road, you're like, man, I'm blessed even when things are hitting the fan. Right? Hold on. And sometimes that's all you're supposed to do. And during those days when I was holding on to my corroboree, I praised Jesus and I wouldn't drink or use and I wouldn't try and, you know, destroy my life. So if you're here today, hold on. This too shall pass. And there's something good ahead of you. There's something waiting that's far greater. A better, a, a, a breakthrough in your marriage. A breakthrough in finance. A breakthrough through the darkness and anxiety that you're suffering. There's something new if you're willing to hold on and cling to that life preserver we call Jesus Christ. You are an instrument. Serve. Do. Love people. Don't meditate and hide what you have inside you. Give it away freely. Nobody's charging you for this. That tithe was not for you to be here. This isn't a theater. That tithe was for you to worship. You know, I'm on fire right now. 
And it's because me and my wife and my daughter and Joey, her boyfriend, went to Azusa now. And I saw stuff I've never seen before. Man, I've saw stuff and I've been in ministry for years. And there's a moment where we're sitting there watching and there's so much healing going on in the L.A. Coliseum. I am blown away. I've, 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 seriously, I've been up and prayed for someone. Me and Jeremy prayed for a girl that had headaches. And the next week she came back. But we didn't do anything. We prayed. And we prayed for a couple of people that had cancer. And my mom's arm got healed once. But in this Coliseum, I saw more miracles in an hour and a half than I'd saw in my whole life. And God told me, he said, I heal, Jeff. I heal. But here's what happened. I was watching these people and they're praying for this man in a wheelchair. And I'm looking and they prayed for two, maybe three hours. It wasn't one prayer in the name of Jesus being healed. They were on their hands and knees. Everybody surrounded and they were praying for two and a half, maybe three hours. And I'm like, I've never seen that before. And all of a sudden, the wheelchair comes up and this guy starts running and the crowd's erupting. If you need a miracle, you need to press into about 180, 120 minutes for that to happen. That's what these guys did. And sometimes we want that quick prayer in the name of Jesus, heal me. He wants to see as your heart into this. But here's the deal. It wasn't just one person doing 120 or 180 minutes. It was 50, 60. Look at all these people. They're the ones praying. If you need a miracle, you need to get 50, 60, 100 people praying for what you need to go through so that you can get to that 6,000 or 9,000 minute mark where the miracle comes. And that reminded me of Journey. I think of Mike and Linda. Jeff Foss and my wife and Jeremy and Madison and Heidi. I think of all of us starting the church. And I remember Jeremy and me asking people, will you guys just pray? If journey's supposed to happen, will you pray? Uh, We asked 100 people to pray 10 hours. And we asked for 1,000 hours to be prayed if we were supposed to do church. The foundation of this church was 1,000 hours of prayer. And this is the glory of that 1,000 hours of prayer. We need to do that again because we're going to step into a new place. If you need a miracle, now is the time. I've seen it right here, right before our eyes. It's here all over. A miracle in less than a year. God takes all old and brings all new and makes a life more than you can ever imagine. I'm living it out. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying this for you to get up and do it yourself. Press in. Pray. And get all of us praying for that same thing. At one point, we're going to have people up here praying. Get them involved. Put it on the prayer card. Let's surround you and watch this miracle happen. Be an instrument. Be an instrument. Today, we're going to sing a song. Mackenzie is going to sing a song. You don't want me to sing I'll be belting over here with Fernie over here. We're going to sing a new song, and it's been on my heart for two years. And it's called Greater Is He, and Mackenzie's been killing it this morning. But here's what it says. The Bible says, because greater is he who is in the world, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. If you don't have a purpose, know this, that God has a room for you in, his heart, in your heart. 
And if you open up your heart, greater is he that's in you than he who is in this world. This world is meaningless. And your life comes to a point that you might as well just jump off. But with Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to hold on to him. Ask people to pray and watch the miracle unfold. Do you believe that today? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Let's sing about that. Will you pray with me real quick? Holy Spirit, minister to us right now. Open up our hearts, Father in heaven, through Jesus Christ. Will you start working radically in this room? Will you start moving all things that are dark into the light? Will you take all hopelessness and bring great hope? Will you take all purposelessness and bring a purpose through you, Lord? If there's someone that needs you and needs a new relationship, a fresh start, or a new life in Jesus Christ, now is the time. And they can say a prayer. And that prayer is this. Church, repeat it after me so it's easy for someone to say. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul and be my Lord. I know that you died and you rose again for me. Be my purpose. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to follow you all the days of my life. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.